thing I've always enjoyed is making people understand. I love explaining things and seeing people's eyes light up and sort of go, oh, you know what, because you said it in that way, I really understand it. But I understand it because I'm used to critically analysing scientific research. So why don't I try and put it into words and articles that people will find entertaining? I remember writing the one about sort of the antioxidants in the eye and calling it Why Bugs Bunny Will Never Go Blind. Hello, and welcome to the Natural Healthcare Network podcast. My name is Deb McLeod, and I really appreciate your sitting in and listening in. Today, we have registered nutritional therapist Phoebe Liebling joining us. She's sharing her personal story. She's going to talk about how and why she became a nutritional therapist. So I hope you sit back and enjoy all the information she has to share with us. Thank you so much for joining me today, Phoebe. It's such a pleasure. Thank you for, for having me, having me back. Um. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. So today what we're going to do is talk about your own personal story and how you or what was it that drove you to become a nutritional therapist? Well, I guess it's, I'd say, a classic tale in the sense that I had my own experience, but um, with sort of healing using functional medicine um I actually started off I've always been a very scientific person um which I think kind of feeds into the way that I now run my practice and the way that I am as a practitioner um and also the kind of other bits I do on the side I grew up my mum's a physio and I very much grew up kind of going on home visits with her working for her during the summer holidays those kind of things um but then when I toddled off to uni at the tender age of 19, after taking a gap year, because I was convinced I was going to be a teacher, which after working for a year as a teacher's assistant, I thoroughly decided I was not going to be doing, mainly because of the parents rather than the children. But um, <laughs> off I went, <laughs> yeah. off, off to uni. And I actually did my undergrad degree in environmental geology. So something totally out sort of off the nutrition scale, but still very scientific and also, I think from a functional medicine perspective, it's still relevant because I did all the environmental side of things. So I did a lot on the way that mining influences our groundwater. And I did all of the stuff about climate science and the way that um, pesticides and everything influence our world. Um, so I have that as as an element, I guess, as well. Um, but then what actually happened was that I got to uni and looking back on it now, I know that this exactly I know exactly what happened. I was very ill in the summer just before I left. I got terrible bronchitis and I'll say this very quietly, but I used to smoke quite a lot. Um, <laughs> and I got terrible bronchitis basically. And I quit smoking in the summer and it was, I was using sort of asthma inhalers, something I'd never had an issue with before. Got mm -hmm. better. And then obviously went off to live by myself with people I didn't know. Um, I had a solid nutritional base in the sense that I had been taught to cook from a very young age and, actually cooking is something I'm hugely passionate about I love to do it I love to cook for people all of that kind of thing so I understood how to feed myself but um I arrived I spent a week you know drinking a lot of alcohol sleeping probably 30 seconds a night having a great time and I woke up on the Monday morning for my first set of lectures and because of the kind of course I was doing it was very sort of it wasn't one of these humanities and you kind of go in and you maybe do four hours of lectures a week I was in nine to five every single day four hour long practicals that kind of thing yeah and I just sat down in this first lecture and all of a sudden I I felt nervous because it was the first day and I was with a whole group of new people who I hadn't met yet 
And I just got this really horrendous burning sensation. Oh. And I was like, oh my goodness, what is that? And sort of like esophageal burning, like terrible acid reflux, but feeling like I literally swallowed battery acid. Oh. I thought, okay, this is this is a bit odd. Um, maybe it's just nerves, sit and breathe for a bit. And I just started to get really clammy, really start to started to sweat, felt feverish. And I thought, you know what, I'm gonna be sick. Um, and I also have a I have an extreme phobia of vomit, which is a slightly off the topic thing. But I, so I started to panic, which obviously made the whole thing much worse. Um, dived out of the lecture, felt really spaced out, like as in the whole world started to move around me. And I had to sit on some steps and try and like get my bearings again. And obviously this was exacerbated by the huge amount of anxiety I was feeling. Um, yeah. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to take myself back to my back to my room and I'm just going to sit down for a bit. Maybe I've eaten something weird. It will pass. I'll grab some like Gaviscon kind of antacids on the way home. Maybe it's just mm-hmm. something like that. So I took about five of those on the way back um, and actually tried to get on a bus. But because of the motion of the bus, I couldn't stay on it. So I walked around an hour and a half and got the initial symptoms under control. But it just it, every time I ate anything, every time I even drank water, it would just come up this like raging fire of burning. And I was like, okay, so this is not good. Called my parents and they were like, oh, it's fine. Take yourself off to the doctor. My mum probably thinking that I was just like suffering some extreme hangover and she just needed to like, or being very anxious because I was a bit of a homing pigeon. So she was like, it's fine. You're okay. You're in a new environment. You're you're not going to die. It's going to be all right. Go to the GP if you're really upset, that kind of thing. And I was like, okay, fine walk off you know my continue all the way back into the, the mid center of Leeds where the doctor is right by the uni I've just come back from um right sit for about five hours waiting to see a GP and they go oh yeah it's fine just got a bit of acid reflux here's a prescription on acid take that for a bit you'll be okay um suffice to say I wasn't okay and it developed into chronic gastritis over Ooh. um I know and it was induced by they think it was induced by a virus um, but I got more and more digestive inflammation. I was put on things like omeprazole, which is a proton pump inhibitor that so completely knocks out your stomach acid. And that gave me sort of vague relief from my burning symptoms. But then it meant that every time I ate anything, I sort of exploded <laughs> because I was so yeah. bloated because I wasn't breaking anything down. Um, and then I feel really sick again because I was so bloated. So they then gave me something that affects my bile flow. Um, and then they gave me something else. They gave me another antiemetic. And so I'm probably, I've just turned 20 by this point because my birthday is early in the year. Um, and I'm still kind of struggling along. And also my appetite's obviously completely gone. I've completely fallen out of love with food because I can't be bothered because everything mm. I put in, whatever it is, whether it's a dry piece of toast or an apple, makes me feel like I may as well just not have eaten it because it takes three hours of the bloating to go down. I feel horrendous. Um, so... I continued in this vein uh, throughout my uni career. Um, I had a great time, um, but at the same point, I was entirely teetotal for two years because the concept of having alcohol was a ridiculous thing. Um, I continued to take omeprazole for, I think, almost three years when the actual recommendation is for about six to eight weeks at a time. Um, I also took all the other meds. I then also had issues with things like my hormones because obviously I had a huge amount of inflammation in my body. And so things in my period suddenly became excessively painful. Um, again, not something I'd never had an issue with before. So they put me on the contraceptive pill. 
Um, but by this time I was having really severe reactions to things like dairy and gluten. I didn't quite understand the gluten thing at that point, but the dairy thing, if I had anything that had dairy in it, I was immediately sick. So they put me on just a solo progesterone pill, um, because the combined pills have a lactose core. Um, so I was on that and they said, oh, it's fine if your period stops. So didn't have a period for four years. And they were like, oh, it's totally okay, totally fine. The fact that you've dropped almost two stone in weight, so you are ashen and you can't eat anything, you feel sick all the time, you can't sleep, but you're exhausted. All completely normal. It's just because you're a university student and you're obviously not looking after yourself properly. And I was thinking, I'm trying, but it's not working. (laughs) Um, So I was going away on field trips and kind of being that one who'd like, we'd have to hike up a waterfall or something. And my mapping partner would have to carry my bag for me because I get so lightheaded and exhausted halfway up that I couldn't physically make it. Um, Went home to my poor mother and she was like, right, I haven't seen you in about three or four months and you now are probably back to the weight that you were when you're about 11. Oh, Um, I know. This is the thing. It's, it's, also in a GP practice where when you're a student you don't always see the same doctor so I think I saw 15 doctors and so none of them really knew what was going on yeah um had endoscopies they just said there was like inflammation there continue to take meds blah, blah blah um and then I came home I think it must have been just before I was about to start my third year my final year and my mom said we've got to do something about this you're obviously really not well I need I just because my anxiety had just peaked as well um which I think was also to do with the massive amount of progesterone in my system um and I got to the point when because of this fear of vomit that I had I had to go on a field trip and I was supposed to take a coach journey but I got myself into such a state I actually told my mum that I was going to like fly to Wales or something from Leeds because I couldn't be trapped on a coach in case someone was ill um and I think I spent three weeks on the phone crying to her about it in advance of going which oh, is yeah. entirely over the top. Um, it's not funny, but it is funny, you know. It is, it's terrible. It's when I look back on it now, I just think, oh my God, like why didn't somebody do something? Um mm. but anyway, as as a result of all of that, let's just kind of wrap that up into a nice little bow. I finished uni, um, I came home to my poor parents. I actually stayed in, in Leeds for four years rather than three. I stayed for an additional year and just worked. Um and came home and I started seeing an acupuncturist because when you're back living with your family rather than your peers it's quite obvious when you don't sleep um and you are kind of waking up and I'd also I'd move around like an old person sort of hunched over because I had such terrible joint pain and my hands and everything wouldn't work properly in the morning so it was just all this horrible yes but it's a classic kind of inflammatory picture Mm. um And I saw this acupuncturist and the first thing she said to me was, yes, you have a complete imbalance. You've got very a separation between yin and yang. So the whole of my body from the neck down was yin, very cold, very slow. And then my head was just full of this heat, uh, but there was no crossover. And so she was trying to help balance that out. And it did help to a certain extent. And she said, you must come off the contraceptive pill, which I did. Um, And that was a whole other story. and we need to get you off this medication um so obviously I started trying to come off everything and if anybody has ever worked with somebody or done it themselves coming off a meprazole after Mm. six weeks is a big thing coming off off it after almost three years 
is horrendous. Yeah. I had no other guidance. So I got terrible rebound reflux and all this kind of horrible nonsense. Um, but anyway, I started speaking to this acupuncturist about functional medicine and I've just thought, you know what, this is, this is what I need to do. And she introduced me to a naturopath who kind of gave me a bit of an inkling about what I could do with my diet. And I'd done some research anyway, because I had a very good gastroenterologist in the sense that he did mention that the food I was eating might possibly contribute to my symptoms. So I started exploring. I, well, I wasn't eating dairy at all by this point. Um, I had tiny bits of sheep and goat's milk that they kept trying to get me to have. And so like a daily dose of yogurt to make sure that I wouldn't stop producing lactase, but it made me feel so awful. I just thought, you know what, I don't, I don't need this anymore. And I felt much better after that. Um, and then somebody told me about going gluten-free. And it was almost after about three weeks, it was as if a light bulb had just gone on. All the joint pain went away. Um, and things like my mood just started to equalize a little bit better. And so I was like, right, okay, well, that's something to do. And then I heard about... I started looking into actually sort of uh, postgraduate degree courses in nutrition because I thought I'd love to learn more. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, you know what, I don't have the physical capacity to go through like a full sort of, I think, five year degree or to do a master's. I didn't have the right qualification. I'd have to do another undergrad. So I looked at CNM, the College of Naturopathic Medicine, and thought, that's it. I'm going to go to the open day. It's tomorrow. Uh, so I dragged my mom along with me. We went on a Thursday night and I literally signed up and I started on the Friday morning of the same week. Oh my gosh. And oh my gosh. Thought, you, don't, you don't even do things by halves, do you? No, I think at this point I was so, I was so convinced that this was the path I now needed to go down. And I, I, I needed an answer because I was kind of left. I, I mean, it wasn't as if it was like a sudden light bulb moment and then everything got better. But over the course of my training, I gradually sorted myself out and it's still something that I'm kind of working on. This is a path that I started on, I guess, almost 11 years ago now. Gosh. So it's definitely, it's definitely still going in some respects, but it was that moment. I just kind of sat in the room listening to this woman talk about functional medicine and nutritional therapy. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is exactly, this is what I've been meant to do. Why did I look at rocks for so long? <laughs> um and that was that was kind of how it all started um and yep I I signed up and off I went and it was great (laughs) well let's face it I mean looking at rocks and all those things they kind of got you into all the elements didn't they say you could get your head into all the good science about it but it's it is really interesting how when we start doing these little things and, and we talk to our clients about as well, when they go off gluten like to coin the word, it really is a game changer, isn't it? It can be. It's just amazing what a fantastic difference it can make on your overall well-being, isn't it? Exactly. I think it's for some people when you've kind of been stuck in this sort of all-encompassing stasis, it might be that for some people just taking it out for X amount of weeks or months whilst they sort out things like their gut integrity or overall inflammation, they could then happily re-add it back in or go for something like a uh, like a lower gluten containing grain like rye or maybe a spelt. Um, but once you kind of got to that point and you un- you can sort of interpret whether the re-addition is actually a good thing or not, then that's kind of something to do individually. But I I do think when you kind of when you get someone with a whole mess of symptoms like me um, and they're so systemic, then it can literally be doing something like that that really just is kind of, it's like a light switch and yeah. it just gives them that element of also trust in you because you've kind of gone, 
it's okay. We can take away this quite significant level of pain, even if you don't sort of completely nullify it. And you can definitely make a huge improvement there. Yeah. And what's really nice is, I mean, from that standpoint of your own journey and you're still on the journey, you understand we don't know what the other person's feeling exactly because we can't but at least we can have an understanding of of what debilitating pain is like and what the anxiety can do to us because obviously you've experienced that in in, an extreme case and we know that don't we there's that aspect of rationally I know I shouldn't be feeling this way but I am and I don't care (laughs) but also if you put your trust in somebody like a doctor Mm. I sat and listened to endless GPs and specialists and rheumatologists and just lapped up exactly what they said to me yeah and then when I went off and I was still in exactly the same situation despite the fact they'd given me another medication or told me to wait a bit longer I just went yeah well I guess this is what I'm supposed to be doing because that's what they say it's a difficult one to suddenly go actually no I'm taking this and I'm going to go in in an entirely opposite direction and I'm totally in charge which is also why I guess like we understand it's terribly scary for somebody um, if that's the decision that they make when they kind of have to go against maybe things that they've always believed in or always assumed to be true. It's a, it's a big buy-in for somebody. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, there's that, hmm, it is the, the having that, that courage, as you say, and also just saying and telling them, I am going to do this and, you know, I want to try it out because these other things just haven't worked. So here we go. And um, enjoy the ride with me would you <laughs> come on board it's gonna be great <laughs> you want to see me well you want to see me gain weight don't you anyway I, I digress so that's <laughs> so really exciting so so you got your degree in um, nutritional therapy did you did you do any other courses at, at CNM I know they have a variety of courses or have you got any other uh, degrees along other than your your um, degree at university but have you done anything else any other training no so I well I did I worked as part of the there was like a short course in natural cooking at CNM um, but so I kind of assisted with that and did a little bit of kind of yeah assistance in teaching there which was great fun um because like I say I've always been a big foodie and one of the things I started to do when I was at CNN is as I started to explore this idea that I was going to need to eat in a different way like utilizing different ingredients there was nothing really around at that point so obviously if you had a full-blown celiac diagnosis you could get a prescription for things like gluten-free products but goodness me half of those things I really wouldn't want to put anywhere near my body I think I bought some gluten-free bread and actually almost caused like a kitchen fire because I put it in the toaster and just assumed that it would take the same time as like my parents lovely sourdough which they always had and about 30 seconds later there was this black cloud of smoke coming out because obviously it's so rich in sugar it was like on fire um so we moved on from those kind of things but I then had this I just thought there was an opening because we were talking and talking about how we were going to help people and um, sort of give them all these tools in life. And I was sitting there in my clinic doing my kind of my learning bit before I actually started seeing clients myself. And I actually went to see another nutritional therapist who happened to be one of the lecturers there. And I had this great in-depth conversation with her. And then she sent me through this plan and she linked to recipes that would contain butter and cheese. And she hadn't even put in brackets, like remove the butter and cheese, replace with coconut oil and something else oh and I thought how on earth me being a very adept cook would somebody be able to 
use that and use the information that you've given them that is very accurate and brilliant if they don't have the recipes or the the practical skills to to put them into practice in their own life so I started writing my own recipes um I've started natural nourishment which is my kind of like other side bit and writing blog articles also just to kind of the thing I've always enjoyed is making people understand when I was this is part of the reason I wanted to originally be a teacher I love explaining things and seeing people's eyes light up and sort of go oh, you know what because you said it in that way I really understand it mm. and I was going on this massive journey learning all about how specific antioxidants work in your retina and you <laughs> won't get age-related macular degeneration if you eat these kind of things and how your blood glucose response works down to a cellular level and I thought this is amazing but I understand it because I'm used to critically analysing scientific research. But yeah. I try and explain it to my dad and he's literally fallen asleep on me. So <laughs> why don't I try and put it into words and articles that people will find entertaining to read, but actually also they'll gain the knowledge for themselves because that's what you want. You want to be able to pass it on so that somebody feels infused by it because, I mean, they don't need to know the minute detail, but it's quite entertaining. Mm. I remember writing the one about sort of the antioxidants in the eye and calling it why Bugs Bunny will never go blind and literally <laughs> relating it to Looney Tunes characters and talking about random things that my family had done and I was laughing whilst I was writing it myself and I got sort of things back from people going this is amazing I'd never I'd never would have ever known this and I don't need to know it probably but at the same point it's fun it's fun to read so I don't know how I got onto this tangent, but that's what I was saying as as like an extra bit. Um, I didn't do as I, said, I didn't do additional training as such, um, apart from going on CBD courses and sort of lapping up as much information as I could from books and journals and all of that kind of stuff and talking to other people. Um, but I feel like I kind of I have a good breadth of knowledge just based on doing those kind of things. Well, it's it's really cool that you know that you had that epiphany as it were coming up with some practical steps for our our clients it's so important also a lot of the foods that are still out there for sale or out on the marketplace aren't really healthy so you know we want to educate our clients yeah I, I'm definitely a I refer to myself as a foodie magpie I am that person who <laughs> walks through a ridiculously expensive organic health food shop and comes like to go and buy I don't know cinnamon powder mm. and I've come out with like 15 things because I've never seen them before and a vegetable that I can't pronounce the name of because it's just great yeah um but I I don't mind that because I could also like I would buy say a really good quality beautiful organic gluten-free bread that is made out of buckwheat and lots of nuts and seeds and oats and that kind of stuff but I also realized that spending I mean it could be it can be upwards of five pounds on a loaf that will serve exactly. you five portions so there has to be a way of utilizing ingredients that are naturally free of those things that we're asking people to avoid yeah um it doesn't mean that it's a huge expense because I myself, I buy, I buy food and I make food for myself and like for select other people, but I don't have to think about, I don't know, children and that kind of stuff at this point in my life. So I'm a bit freer with my budget, whereas I understand people who have dependents and they have other things to pay. They probably wouldn't be able to go out and spend, like I say, upwards of five pounds on three slices of bread 
if the kids are then going to have their sandwiches at lunchtime. It's nice when you're giving the clients more of a sense of freedom and can show them that it's easier, a lot easier many times to make these things than people think. I follow you on Instagram and I love your blog posts and all because you make things really entertaining and you make it feel achievable for people. And that's what I really like. We Because we as practitioners can make things so dense. Like you said, your father falling asleep when you're telling him things and they just kind of you get that cross-eyed look. I have to do that with my partner. I'll say, right, do you want me to go into de- detail or just give you mm-hmm. uh, you know, the 101 version? And usually I get the 101 version. Just give me the okay. ABCs, yep. please. That's exactly I have. I have colleagues and friends who actually refer to it as like, I don't need a Phoebe answer right now. Can I just get the straight facts? And I'll get that on WhatsApp because they've seen a patient or a client themselves. And they'll have like wanted to give them a small tidbit maybe before they refer them on or just because they've been having a conversation. And so they obviously send me a quick message being like, can we just get the five basic facts? And later you can tell me the three paragraph version. But for now, I need... I need the key summary points. Give me the abstract. (laughs) I love it. That's good. It's so nice to know. As we said earlier, we're not alone in our our doing this. It's lovely. So when did you graduate? Because your journey, you started having these pains as far as your health journey goes. That was over 11 years ago. When did you qualify? So I, ooh, this is always a thing. I always think that it was longer ago than it actually is. So I think it was the beginning of 2016 because I handed in my dissertation before we did our summer exams because I was a little bit over enthusiastic. <laughs> um, so I started seeing clients as a student in 2015 and I started out properly at the beginning of 2016. Cool. That was when I was fully done. 2016. That's cool. And so what do you specialize? I mean, we talked about metabolic syndrome, which was really interesting. Do you specialize in anything in particular? Or did you find that you started Um, out generic and then you narrowed the field down? Maybe that's better. I actually did the complete opposite. Ah. I I went very niche and then I expanded. So I, well, actually, no, that's, that's not true. I started out just kind of seeing sort of people who mainly wanted digestive help because that's kind of where I felt I had my own personal journey and I had a lot of research behind me at that point. I felt quite confident mm-hmm. there. Um, and so I sort of based myself within my mum's physiotherapy practice. I had spoken a lot to, because I used to do sort of practice management there. Um, so I spoke a lot to all the physios throughout my training about what I was doing and I started to kind of feed them little bits of information about what I was learning and how it could link to things like their patients who had arthritis and I mean when people go in pain to see a physio they tell them their life's woes so they would definitely be talking about things like digestive health um, and sleep issues and anxiety in them in those sessions too Uh, so that's where I kind of started and then I actually joined forces with another woman who was well, she's originally a dietitian, and then she also did the same nutritional therapy course. Mm-hmm. And we had um, an idea that we were going to form this brilliant collaborative practice that would bridge the gap between standard medicine and um, kind of more what we do, the kind of more holistic side of things. Um, we were gonna, And she was based in oncology. And I was like, yes, I've got so much enthusiasm. This is going to be the best thing ever. It's a terrifyingly niche thing that I'm really quite worried about going into but at the same point I trust you I'll bring all of this like I say overexcitable energy um because having been so fatigued for so long I was like on top of the world feeling much better um 
And so we we worked together. We went into sort of leaders in oncology care on Harley Street and worked a bit with Macmillan and did all these kind of things. Um, and I just realized over that period that our styles um, weren't quite working alongside each other as we, we'd envisaged them to. Right. Um, we just didn't. There was an element that her history in dietetics was making her a little bit more cautious about things. And obviously my interpretation of things was I was very much more appreciative of standard medical care and see it as a fantastic thing for acute care medicine. But I was looking at the holistic side more. I wanted to give people therapeutic doses of like turmeric root and omega-3. And she was very much more like, oh, well, medicine says we can't do any more than this. And I was sort of like, okay, well, we'll sort of part ways. Um, And I'd come to realize that oncology for me wasn't my passion. And it's one of those areas that you have to really, really love. You have to be 100% bought into. It's emotionally draining. Yeah. And you have to you have to want to be there. And as much as I enjoyed the work and I found it incredibly rewarding, I didn't have that fire for it. And in actual fact, I started to feel that it was chipping away a little bit at me, which is not what you want. You want to find something that makes you feel infused to go to work in the morning when you're doing something that's so sort of client centered. Of course. So I sauntered off semi into the opposite direction. Um and I actually took a little bit of, of a break from seeing clients and sort of really thought about what it was that I wanted to do because it wasn't that I was having a crisis of confidence or anything I just thought you know what this is a crossroads point I am a little bit on the back foot having spent sort of a good amount of months sort of just over a year being in this practice and it hasn't rewarded me in the way that I wanted it to so how do I learn from this and avoid that happening again in future so I actually ended up having surgery on my ankle which kind of took me out of action for a bit and I was sort of sat on the sofa waiting for it to heal up um and thinking right okay so I have these two aspects I can really start pushing the social media side of things a little bit more because I quite like the fact that that's opening up a door for me that means I can have income and do more freelance stuff without being physically in the room with people because again that's a thing when you are a practitioner and you have to decide where you put your efforts because I had previous to that been working in a health food store oh yeah because you need you I, I needed a standard salary and when you're getting started you could have a fantastic month and see quite a few people but then you might have a next month when you don't have that strong referral network where you get a constant wave of new people coming through yeah. so if you've got gaps in your clinical ca- uh, calendar and you have things like rent to pay that's not going to work so you have to have something but then again working in a health food store was a lot less lucrative than seeing clients and it took up more of my time so I was trying to work out where I wanted to be but anyway I worked out through my ankle surgery recovery that I wanted to dedicate some more time to doing the social media stuff which I now do and pushing that as a a freelance style thing so I work with brands and I work as a consultant as well as seeing people clinically And then I just decided that when it came to my clinical base, the bits that I really enjoyed were, I love sports. I'm a really active fitness person. Um, So I have that passion for that. And I really enjoy the kind of people I get to talk to when I work in sports nutrition. Um, And as a more holistically minded sports nutritionist, you have so much more to talk about with somebody than just a pre-workout powder getting them to have chicken brown rice and broccoli for every meal and all of that kind of stuff there's fantastic things to look into and then I obviously have this really real 
keenness and passion for digestive health, but that then very much links with mental health. And one of the things that I have found myself doing a lot more of is tying gut and brain health together. Um, so I did, and I and this is kind of linked in again, it kind of goes backwards and forwards. So consultancy-wise, I then joined um, a brand who were bringing out nootropic supplements. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, so I was there basically like clinical lead is the wrong word but that kind of thing I did their training for practitioners on the applications of the products and I then went on to develop some new formulations for new products that they brought out at the beginning of this year which encapsulate adaptogenic herbs and those kind of things into protein powders to make them both sort of the therapeutic functional products um so now I guess my clinical sort of base centers around things like a bit of sports I do the metabolic syndrome sort of cardiovascular um and blood sugar and weight management style of things and then the other bit which I really enjoy is this sort of anxiety depression sleep disturbance linking in with hormones and gut health because those that little trio you don't tend to find one without the other and it might be that somebody comes in with one and you very quickly realize that, for example, their sleep is entirely being disturbed. Well, it might be by their blood sugar, or it could be by their liver function, or it could be by their microbiome or something. So there's, there's always going to be a web, but that's where I would say my main clinical areas lie. Um, but as a functional medic, somebody could come in to you with something that you've never seen before. Oh, goodness. But because you're looking at the root cause rather than the symptom presentation, mm. you can just delve down a layer and you find it. There are certain things that I would always refer on. So I would not say that I am an oncology expert. Anybody who wants to come in for cancer supportive treatment, unless they are post-treatment and it's literally rebuilding kind mm -hmm. of stuff, I'd happily do that. But otherwise, I would refer them on. Um, and I do quite actually I do quite a lot of autoimmune work as well and some some thyroid work but again I think that in certain instances so I've had a lot of sports people with thyroid issues and in that situation I'm more than happy with them but if it's somebody who's got multiple complex presentation of different thyroid issues linked with other autoimmune diseases I would sometimes refer them on to somebody I felt would be more sort of useful to them and again neurodegeneration if it's sort of advanced um, Alzheimer's presentation I've got colleagues who have done things like the cytoplan training following um, Dale Bredesen's work. And I would say that they were more adept at doing those kind of things. Yeah, it's important to have those people that you can pass things on to, because if there is someone who is really an expert in key areas, it just makes it easier on you. And, it, and, and I think it's a, a bigger win for the client at the end of the day that can maybe have an effect much quicker much as as they would with you sending someone to you for any one of these things that that you like to focus on which is really good now just to the if I can ask you about the consultancy the the company that you just curiosity it's um was the name of the company yep yeah, so it's motion nutrition is the is one of the ones that I work with they are the they started out in sports supplements and they're, they're a really fascinating, well, actually, I was going to say bunch, it's two guys. <laughs> and I met them when I was training. Um, they were sampling right back out at the beginning their organic whey proteins in Planet Organic when I went in to go and get a snack with some of the people <laughs> I was at college with. And um, they just had this real passion because one of them was a Commonwealth swimmer 
and the other was a rugby agent and they both just apparently looked at each other one day and said why I think it was more the swimmer he said why on earth am I competing at this level and they're trying to feed me a supplement that's full of maltodextrin and all this kind of stuff and he was ahead of his game when he was doing that cool um so they were the ones who first said no you know what we're going to do all organic all food-based sports supplements made in the UK super high quality and I mean now they've gone from strength to strength and they do the nootropic supplements but they were also one of the first to kind of go right all of our packaging will be entirely compostable so it goes in your food waste um and all of that kind of thing but yeah they're they're great and it's been really good fun because I approached them and said after having a conversation with them about the fact that they were bringing out these new products so I remained quite friendly with them just because we were kind of, I felt like we grew at the same time. Um, I said, well, of course, you guys, you're doing this and you're going to go sort of out to the mass market and that's fantastic. But the people you really need are the practitioners. These mm. are therapeutic supplements. You need people to understand and use these with your clients. And this is what I would say. If you see an opportunity like that, don't be scared. I mean, the only thing that they could do is say no, at which point you haven't lost anything. So I just, um, I sent an email and was like, I think, you know what? why don't I come on board? Why don't we do, we did an ICANN webinar going out to all of the the practitioners who signed up to it, which was fantastic. That is so cool. I know it was great. I was terrified. I'd never <laughs> done anything like that before. Um, sat there for an hour and spoke about stress resilience of, and brain function and all that kind of stuff and how Ayurvedic herbs and amino acids and everything are brilliant to use. And I would highly recommend not just, I don't, I mean, I don't get anything out of it, but their, their nootropics, their power up and unplug products are amazing. And they are, in terms of actually having something that's multifaceted to be able to use with the client, they've got things like amino acids, Ayurvedic herbs, um, methylated nutrients in them in a day and a nighttime formula. And they're budget friendly. They're under £30. So wow. it's they're pretty good. So I'd, I would definitely say have a quick look at them. I use them myself personally, religiously. Um I'm using with lots of other people too. So they're, they're a great, they're a great bunch. That's cool. So the yeah, they sound like it. They sound like it. And I mean, really nice that they're approachable and wanting to seek the help and guidance from you, which is good. Um, I think that makes sense. Is there anyone else that you feel like you can talk about that you're doing consultancy with? And if so, have you just done what you did with the guys at Motion Nutrition? Did you just ring them up and say, or send them an email and say, hey, I like this. I like what you're doing. <laughs> I wish I wish it didn't work I know it didn't work quite like that um so what I have done is over the last year I mean yeah hi I guess I just I'm gonna revolutionize your brand if you just want to uh, get me in for a business meeting that'd be perfect it's all sunshine um, I know it is no go on yeah I mean it could do so um what I did was over the course of the year and this is what I've definitely concentrated on this year is I decided that I was going to make more of my Instagram and I really want, I picked a voice, which was one that it was, it has that entertaining side to it, mm -hmm. but it's very much an educational thing. I have a bit of a format that I follow in terms of, well, I say this for the last couple of weeks, it's been completely out the window because I haven't had time to do it. But I very much picked at the beginning because it's quite effort intensive to build it up and then it gets to a point that sort of itself soothes, if that's a way to describe it, it sorts itself out. I very much wanted it to be educational, but I wanted it to be lighthearted. I wanted it to be easily to, easy to digest and then practical in terms of the ease at which the recipes can be made. So I would post, originally I was posting sort of every day, which is just completely unsustainable when you have other things to be doing, but also building web and interacting with these people, making a bit of a, making a bit of noise. 
making yourself being able to be found. So then what started to happen was brands would message me or they'd email me and they'd say, we really love what you're doing. We would love to send you some product so that you can feature them or make something with them. And then we will feature you back, which is kind of how it works when you're sort of starting out. You're quite small. You don't tend to get paid for these things. It's about exposure. So I started doing those kind of things. And then there's a brand called Raw Health, um, which people will have seen. And they did a just a raw challenge in, I think, the summer of last year. And so I decided their thing was like, well, we're just going to send you some bits. We want you to make two recipes um, and just tag it with a hashtag, just add raw. And I was like, well, this is an opportunity to, again, make a bit of noise because we know as practitioners that if you just add raw food to your diet, you're going to get bloated mm. and it's not going to be very comfortable. So I wrote, an, wrote a post and I did some recipes, but I utilized the ingredients they sent me and explained the fact that if you are going to just add raw, do it incrementally and this is why you might get bloated and you may want to have digestive enzymes and you may want to do it slowly and you need to think about water and they then emailed me back and went this is fantastic we love this um thank you so much and then their PR people got involved and they said ah well we represent x y and z would you like to come and do um a talk on the effect of I think it was pesticides on pollinators in whole foods for Biona which is another brand because they were under the same parent company. Wow. I know. So it's, it kind of feeds in that way. It's not that I necessarily then start to approach people, but you do one thing and you put a bit of extra effort in and then you find they come in. And the one that I'm sort of mainly doing at the moment um, was I actually went in-house and did some nutrition consult- nutritional consultations for them in the early summer just to, as part of their wellness for their, their team is for Onbar for the raw chocolate company oh right um cool and so then and that was it was great fun although I mean it literally smells like chocolate (laughs) constantly you walk in the door and you are starving from (laughs) the moment you sit down and apparently they don't smell it so much anymore they're like oh no we're just kind of used to it and there's bowls of chocolate everywhere and I was like oh my goodness I need I need to leave (laughs) um but so that was great fun and then as a result of doing those things with them I've then gone on and I approached them about doing some content creation for their website so that's what I'm doing and then also they've got some new products that they're going to be bringing out over the next year or so so I've done the formulations for those products um which is great fun it's nice to it's always a challenge and again it's one of those things that when you get thrown these opportunities you have to very much sit down and say can I do it can I not do it and when I first did the product formulations for motion that was the real the first time I'd really done those kind of things and it's terrifying because you get given a brief by a brand they've invested their time into you and they say well this is it and this is what we wanted to be you've got to get it there <laughs> and I my poor flatmate and had we had like 150 bags of ingredients on our living room floor with me like day by day with a set of scales measuring things out and trying things and putting them into different lines and then one day she I think came in and moved some and I was like oh my god no because that was I don't I can't remember <laughs> um and that went on for like three weeks and then off they went and and it works but it's terrifying and you spend quite a lot of time with very high blood pressure um and so then the next time round, it's a little bit easier and you kind of but then I have had ones when I thought you know what this is outside my scope. I've been off, I got offered a great opportunity at the end of the summer. Oh yeah. Um, but I was really busy clinically and I hadn't taken a summer holiday. And they said, we would really love you to come on board. It'd be fantastic. This is the preliminary brief. What do you think? 
And so I put forward my ideas and they decided to go down the route that I'd suggested, which was great. And they said, well, we'd love for you to formulate it, but we're going to need it turned around in two weeks. And I was like, I don't have, I don't physically have the time to do that. And I would love to be able to, but unless you can extend the deadline, there's no way I could do it. And they couldn't. So I just said, well, at this point, I'm going to have to say no then. Um, right. Which is, it's always a shame to have to turn something down. But at the same point, I would have probably, I wouldn't be sitting here anymore. I probably would have dissolved into a ball um, in the fetal position and I had to be swept out to sea or something. Mm. But, well, yeah. it's really quite interesting. You've, you've done things listening to your story. It's kind of full circle in, in many respects because Biona asking you about pesticides and having studied that and with your own gut health issues. I mean, it's really fascinating to hear you talk about all the different things and the product development. Really, really interesting and, and inspiring, actually. But one of the big things, that, and you mentioned this, if you've taken on that extra project that you were offered, how do you maintain your own work-life balance? How do you do that? I mean, it's one of those things that requires constant maintenance. And it's something that over the course of this year has come, it's hit me quite hard as, as a lesson. At the beginning of the year, I had a medium sized clinic, I would say, and I had a medium sized Instagram following. Um, and I kind of, I didn't equally split my time, but the Instagram took a lot of my time and it very happily filled in the gaps mm -hmm. when I wasn't doing other bits and pieces and it served a purpose then but as my clinical stuff grew I didn't quickly enough account for that by lessening the amount of time I spent on all my social media stuff and I never regret things because the social media stuff like I say now sort of self-soothes mm -hmm. and my following grows and I get really good interaction on my posts and I really enjoy the fact that people will send me messages and say we've really connected with this. Thank you so much for explaining it. I've been wondering about this for a really long time and you've just sorted everything out and I'm no longer worried about it. And that's great. But there was a point, like I say, I didn't have a holiday for 18 months. I went away at the beginning of September and that was the first time I'd actually took a proper break for a long period of time and I was really tired. Um, but then Again, I mean, some people will say, oh, but your schedule is a bit flexible. And it's true. Maybe I'll go for a swim at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday morning because I can. And that's that's fine. But at the same point, there were six to eight months of this year when I would get up at quarter to six in the morning, sit down at my computer and work, then maybe go out. And everywhere I walked, I would be on my phone. Every time I sat down to a meal, I would be answering an email I then have to be calling people, then trying to write my clinic, my client plans in the evening or trying to keep up with the comments from people and all that kind of stuff. And it just melds into one. And then you do get to that point where you suddenly realize that you are this person sort of extolling the virtues of this wonderfully nourishing, holistic lifestyle. And you are not living it yeah. by any means. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I, from September this year, very much made a divide uh, so for example with my Instagram now I probably post a maximum of three posts a week often it's one sometimes it's two I do try and keep up with interaction with people because I think it's quite important my if I as I've kind of decided that it's going to be an educational tool and I'm there to answer things for people I don't ever want it to seem like I'm offering something that I can't keep up with 
but at the same point my real life obviously takes priority um so it's kind of finding a balance there but I will I will factor it into my work day whereas before I would look at it as something I did outside of my work day as well now I'll say right if I feel like it I might be on my phone in the evening say if my flatmate's out or I'm not going out for dinner with friends or that kind of thing I'll happily just sit on the sofa with usually a cooking show on in the background and happily potter away that's fine but my phone no longer comes into bed with me which is what I was doing before and we know it's a terrible idea um and first thing in the morning it's not what I do first and it's not what I do at meal times um and obviously also my clinical stuff comes first so if I have clients they take priority and what it was one of these things that I was having not a toss-up because I would never compromise what I was doing clinically for doing the social media side of things but when you've got that balance it's almost an escape sometimes if you feel that you're overwhelmed with seeing people which can be the case when you've got a lot of people on your plate at once it's almost an easy way to go you know what I am still doing something so as long as I'm busy diverting my attention then that's fine but to kind of conclude on that what I've decided my my big things that I will take into next year that I've been doing and I find really balancing is I picked forms of physical activity that really calm me so I've always been a very strong swimmer and I kind of fell out of love with swimming and moved to being more of a runner which suits me well during sort of spring and summer but come winter I have to be a little bit more careful because I still suffer with things like really strong dips in energy if I push myself too hard I'm very much an adrenally mediated person um so I now make sure that I get into the pool whether it's for 10 minutes or an hour I try and get into the pool three times a week maybe four good for you um yeah and I do things like first thing in the morning I will I write lists lists for me are transformative I bought myself a new I like having a paper one as well as having all my online calendars and that kind of thing so I write everything down in front of me I find that if you are doing the kind of work that we're doing and also when you're doing ongoing tasks, it can be a little bit destabilizing sometimes when you have things that don't have proper endpoints. Yeah. So you almost have to, like, I will write things down. Not that I, well, sometimes I do, like I've just sent an email and I will write it down just to be able to tick it off because it's little simple endpoints like that that just reinforce that you've got things done. And there is a fabulous thing called an, an enlightenment planner, which I've come across. Right. Um and it's it's just like a paper diary, but then it's got things at the bottom of the pages. And I actually got it so I could see what it'd be like for a client. And it says things like hydrate and meditate. But then it also has um, things like mood trackers across the, the, the month to see how your mood evolves. But also things like looking back re- retrospectively at the things that you have achieved, the things that you don't want to do again. If you had any sustainability goals, it's got lots of different things. So you get that reinforcement that you are kind of you are achieving. Um, because, again, I can be my, I think most of us can. I can be my own worst enemy. Yeah. I can very much be that person who's worked X amount of hours a week. And then because I've got a bit of a gap, my, my big thing was I really struggled when all of a sudden I didn't work at the weekends anymore, which seems stupid. But I'd worked solidly all of my weekends for a good few years that suddenly when I had a Saturday and I was free I was like what on earth do people do when they have a Saturday off <laughs> I know <laughs> I know I know free time yeah. oh my gosh so what did you end up doing 
so I think that day I, I cleaned everything in, in sight. Um, I probably went to the gym for about four hours and exhausted myself and then came back and sat on the sofa and then fidgeted for a long period of time. Um, no, it's just, I think it's, it's finding that balance. Um, but I would, I would kick myself for things and say, you should be doing something. And this is a big problem when you are self-employed. You are your business. Yeah. And so if you're not doing something, no one else is going to be doing it for you. That's it. But that's also okay. Because if you aren't able to do something because you're exhausted, no one else is going to do it for you either. Um, so I think that's that balance as well of thinking about things like having a great referral network, um, being able to actually say, yes, I'm going to be really selfish with my time at this point. And I'm going to take that for me or actually, no, you know what? I do have an element of flexibility because, again, at the beginning, I would go out and I would spend like evenings going and talking to random consultants or not like knocking on people's doors, but being like, yes, it's fine. I will, I will do all of these things. And I got up very early in the morning, but it's fine. If you want me to be there, I will be there and I'll be there free of charge because it's just about getting that exposure. But then you do have to start realizing after that initial, however many months or however much time you've got to give when you draw the line yeah. and sort of say like, no, that, my, also my time is worth something um that can be you have to make that distinction and be a little bit more selfish yeah and do you split your time would you say your time is 50 50 with your clients because it's very clever that you're doing the consultancy and the promotion do you spend is it 50 50 I wouldn't say it's 50 50 I would still say that my main well, now I'm very lucky that I've got to the point that I have a very strong referral network um, and I have a big enough client base that word of mouth referrals are pretty constant, um, which again is something that I has evolved over the course of this year. So in January, I would have gaps and I'd sort of go in cycles of maybe three weeks on with clients and then maybe have almost like a week when I would be a little bit lighter, maybe only had one or two people and that's when I catch up on everything else. And then it kind of got to the point that I realized that I wasn't getting those gaps anymore, which was fantastic. But also you kind of have to be a bit more careful with your time. My my main bread and butter is my clinical stuff. It still brings me in the majority of my, my kind of income. So I'd probably say it's more of a, it's probably more of a 60-40 split, maybe even going towards 70-30. But then it can depend if I have, I've just done two very big product development projects they've taken up a little bit more of my time but that's quite nicely coincided with the fact that some of my clients are now away and I've just been a little bit quieter for about a week um and so it just it's it's one of those things though because I said I was good that was going to be the case in the summer when I did something else <laughs> it's like all oh, this was so lovely and quiet and I'll have a bit of a break and I can enjoy the warm weather which we probably didn't get because it was the UK yeah um and that didn't happen. So I'd signed up and I was kind of traveling to and from London and going out to Cambridge like three weeks in a row and taking up two days a week for that and then still trying to juggle my full clinical calendar because apparently August is still very much working, <laughs> seeing people time of the year these days. Yes, it's true. Yeah. So a couple more things that I wanted to ask you about. This has really been fascinating listening to you share your story and how you've evolved. But what are some of the most challenging things you're you find you're facing with your clients right now? Oh goodness. I think one of the big things that I have come to realize is that people are exceptionally unaware of the way that their mental state influences their health. Mm. And I I think I mentioned it when we were talking on our metabolic syndrome um podcast, but I've been reading the most fascinating book called Stress Proof by Dr. Mitu Storani and she gives great practical tips about this but I have 
a client who I've been seeing for quite a long period of time and he had a quite diverse group of symptoms and they've actually evolved over a period and the first time he came to see me it was actually to get him off um lansoprazole which is another form of proton pump inhibitor one of those antacids and he'd been on it for 25 years um because he had peptic ulceration in his early 30s and he wanted to lose a bit of weight and he had a bit of fatigue and he has a very very stressful home environment which is not something that he will be able to change but we've got him off all of his meds um but he still maintains these sort of random symptoms of pain quite sort of it's his fatigue isn't debilitating, but it comes in waves. Um, and it's one of those things that I talk to him a lot about things like blood sugar balance, but to a certain extent, he does have that sweet tooth that it's not a functional issue. His blood sugar is absolutely fine. He's just tired and he wants sweet things and then he gets more pain. And he's actually seen a, a consultant recently and he's been given a diagnosis of fibromyalgia, um, which we're now sort of working on in combination with him taking meds because that was his choice and that's fine but the with him the main thing is and it was the same thing with all of his gastric symptoms they are entirely down to his interpretation of the environment he lives in and so I was trying to get him to do things like sort of focused attention meditation and getting him to look at the cup in front of him in in the session for five minutes and try and draw his attention back to it and he literally could hold his attention for 10 seconds and then he'd be off somewhere. And I'd sort of have to keep, I kept saying to him, sort of, are you looking at the cocks? I could even see his eyes moving. <laughs> and it was, it's very much this thing of it's, people don't notice that they're not looking at the cup anymore. Uh, not they're, They think they're looking at the cup and they actually notice when they've stopped and they have to revert their attention back. Um, and he just couldn't do that. So my, it's, a, it's one of those things that actually getting people to understand the importance of not being overstimulated, the real critical importance of actually sleeping and well, well and for long enough and what that actually means. Because the concept of somebody getting eight solid hours of sleep a night ongoing, people laugh at you. Mm. But why is that not a priority for people anymore? And if people especially don't feel well, why would they not see that relatively simple change to their routine to be a good thing to do? So, I mean, there's there's that in a kind of a broad sense that actually just trying to get that across to people is quite challenging. Um, and then I think also the main thing that we will all face is the actual lack of knowledge that people have about food. Yeah. The marketing behind convenience food and the things that people see all over the TV and all over the news and all over the newspapers, it's very difficult sometimes to come up against that and sort of break it down for people and say, I know that you think that X, Y, and Z is actually okay for you to have once in a while, but really in your situation, it would be better if you just kind of moved away from that entirely. And there is an element that sometimes the people that will see are the people who already have that seed of information planted and you just kind of have to foster it to grow and that's great but I'm getting more and more people who come through my door because their relative has come to their sort of informed relative has come to see me and being sorted out by the process and being so enthused by it they sort of go and now I've got this aunt and she's going to be a challenge because <laughs> and I go I love a challenge um, and they come through the door and the concept of brown bread yeah. as opposed to a soaked lentil is a big change. Yeah. So it's kind of having, being able to tailor your advice 
right down to the most basic level and then dial it all the way up to the most complex level. It's having that variability across the people that you'll see. But again, that's the challenge of functional medicine and, and the beauty of it Yeah, because it's kind of applicable to all situations. It's true. It really is fascinating how we just have these complex clients and issues that come forward and actually stress is just one of those real busters isn't it that everyone it's going to be it's one of those key things that we we ignore day in day out along with sleep which if we're overly stressed a lot of times it affects our sleep what do you do what do you do and how to explain you know making those small moves i've got a client who we're talking about no gluten and asked me some very basic, you know, what about a wrap? Does a wrap have gluten in it? And it's just really that simple, those simple things of educating them, even though it's on the, the label, they still don't see that as, well, there's wheat in it. So that means it's got gluten in it. It's difficult as well, because you are in the situation when, like we say, you have asked, you've asked somebody to really buy in with you. And this is the other thing about your time, which I think I will say to everybody, whether they're in practice or whether they're training, be careful with your time because I'm very much a person who's fallen into this trap of giving away so much time for free. And it's important to give a bit and you are like you are charging however much you're charging for your sessions and you will probably add a little bit on for that extra time. And if you're not and you are giving that time, think about that in your pricing structure. It's quite important. But people will email you and some people you will send off with their plans and you will not hear a squeak from them between sessions. That's absolutely fine. Um, but then you will get the complete opposite. And I actually have people in multiples who will send me, I'm not even kidding, 56 questions per email. And it will be down to silly things like, you've said that I can't have paprika because I'm doing, because I'm trying to get them to lower their histamine in flux. Does that include, and then they'll give me six brands of paprika powder. <laughs> And I'll sort of say, yes, actually, it includes all forms of paprika. And they'll say, oh, and you've said that I can't have X, Y, and Z, and it'd be better if I have this. But what about this specific product? And then they'll copy all of the ingredients <laughs> into the email. Yeah. And I'll think, okay, that's, well, the first one is, say, gluten, <laughs> or like wheat in bold, which I've explained would then mean that it contains gluten. Or they'll send me photos of, and I kid you not, the entire of the Planet Organic self-serve salad, <laughs> which one of these can I eat? I mean, that's that's. I'm not there to hold your hand, but you have to kind of, you have to give enough to say that you're there to support them, but you also have to be able to say you are, you are a grown adult and you need to be able to make your choices. But you, again, it's how you deal with those kind of people because there is a sense of attachment. And if you have somebody who is particularly stressed and particularly anxious, they will often look to you for that solace yeah. and or they just they want to offload onto you they don't want to have to make decisions themselves because they feel so out of control of everything else that they just want you to do it for them which is not what you're there to do you're there to give them long-term tools and that doesn't mean going yes you can have guacamole but no you can't have this and blah blah, blah. you've got to account for those kind of things and I mean there have been instances when I've said to somebody look I'm really sorry I have answered three of your emails now. Um, and at this point, I'm going to have to charge you for an additional session because you have taken up probably four, five additional hours of my time. Um, and some people will go, what? Well, I didn't realize. And I said, well, you, I think I, I'm sure that you must be able to see the level of information that I've given you. And you just have to work it very gently. And other people will go, absolutely. Yes, of course, no problem at all. But yeah, be very be cautious 
as well because those people will creep up on you and before you realize that you have spent an additional week answering their messages um and then it could be that they cancel their follow-up because you don't know people don't always turn up and just that's just one of those things to watch out for (laughs) I like that it's setting boundaries isn't it that's that's kind of what I hear is to establish the boundaries with the clients perhaps when you send your initial granted people often don't read stuff because of whatever reasons time they don't feel well etc etc or they just overlook and say yeah yeah that's fine or even they do and they do it anyway. So I think setting boundaries is is really important. Do you do one-off consultancies with them or uh, sessions with them? Or do you insist on a session and initial and follow-ups? Is that what you do? I don't ever insist on anything um, because I think that the way that you sort of speak to people in the, in the first instance. So if we were saying, so if somebody's been in touch with me about the way that I work previously, I would have said, yeah, these are my initial and, and follow-up consultation prices um I would say that I would like to see you again I always think it's very useful to be able to review and I in order not to overload you with things I probably won't give you all of the recommendations that we talk about in the first session in the first plan that was my kind of original way of doing it and now whenever I talk to somebody I am a little bit the word is not forceful it's more just kind of I encourage them a little bit more strongly because I think also the way that you voice things to people is they don't know what you're going to be doing with them, but you are going to want to do my, my words are usually incremental and progressive change over time that is practical for you to implement in your life. And in order to kind of do that, that's why when I sit in the session, I originally, actually, this is quite an interesting thing. I originally started out note-taking physically in a book, but then obviously with the GDPR changes, I decided to go completely online because I'm physically doing things like home visits. I don't want to be carrying around wads of paper and have this potential that if somebody nicks my bag on the tube, I'm going to be fined thousands of pounds. Yeah. Um, So I now do everything online. And I originally started out having a laptop on my lap, and I actually found it to be quite a strong physical boundary between me and the person in front of me. So it doesn't work for everybody, but I actually have my clinical software on my phone because I use my phone so often that I can touch type and I can look directly into somebody's eyes and write everything down that we're talking about. So when I sit in a session with somebody, that's when I will very much explain what we're going to be doing um, and how this would relate to the food I sort of suggest they have. And then as I wrap the session up, I'll say, right, well, we've talked about a lot today. Um, and as you can see, we've got quite a bit that I think that we can work on. So I would definitely like to see you in X amount of weeks time. Usually I say actually for the first one, originally I would say six weeks. I actually think four weeks is better as a maximum. Um, it depends on what you're doing with somebody. So for example, I do quite a bit of actually, I didn't mention it earlier, sort of rebuilding after eating disorders. Right. So things like once somebody's come out of acute care and they've regained weight and they're back to living their normal life. There's a lot of things that will be functionally upset by the body having been under stress for a long period of time. And you've got to really gently encourage a love of food again, because for whatever reason, that person has started to see food as almost a tool of cruelness to themselves. It's, it's like a, a berating tool or it's something that they use as a bargaining chip. So it's actually trying to find a way to just get them to love it again. And it doesn't mean that they have to have a rainbow diet. And actually, if somebody's had an eating disorder, you don't want to talk about overall healthiness, probably to start off with. You just want to get them back into that situation. But I'll, I'll wrap by sort of saying, I think that I'm going to need to see you 
at least once more in about four weeks time or with the eating sort of people it's sometimes a little bit sooner and um, just because I think that it's actually better to touch base with them more quickly because a lot of the time when you talk about things about their health it can actually bring up a lot of emotions so it's better to check in more readily and just see that everything is kind of balanced and okay um so anyway so I'll say we'll see you then um and a lot of the time I say how how many times do you think I'm going to need to come and see you and I say well you know what let's see how you go with this first set because everybody is different to how they react to things so if you get this all under your belt um and then we adapt in four weeks time it might be that I want to see you once more but eight weeks later or it might be that I think that we actually need to see each other once a month for the next six months or it could be that actually with things like weight loss I mean you want to see somebody probably depending on how much weight they want to lose for 10 to 12 months so I would say these are my initial and follow-up prices but I offer packages which offer you a discount on these if you purchase the the sessions together and most people always kind of dive in and buy the initial and the follow-up together I think that's quite an important one to kind of push for because you do want for your own mind as well to see how people have done after that first bit. Yeah. And actually for somebody to have that motivational goal that they will be coming back in four weeks is a really good way for them to buy into what you're doing. Um, if it's say something like I've had sports people who are just going to do an injury, they're going to do a race and their physio sent them to me because they've got a bit of inflammatory pain or they just want a little bit of support because they're doing their first like Ironman um, and they've done one before, but they realize there's a bit more of a toll on the body. I'll say, well, I'll see you for one and they'll come in for one and undoubtedly they'll come and see me afterwards because I'll have explained the process behind why I'm suggesting them do certain, they do certain things and then say, actually, that would then leave you at quite a significant deficit after you've put your body under that strain. So it would be quite handy if I see you a week or so after you've finished and I can just give you a few pointers as to how to make sure that you've recovered properly we can actually go through your race together and see how you did if there's any bits that worked any bits that didn't to go on to plan what you then do in the future and I would say nine out of ten people come back there are some people who don't but yeah if you can kind of sit there and say yes I think you I think you should return most people will you would hope so. Yeah, recovery for those sorts of things is so important just to see that you are hitting the right balance. And the same with just seeing clients as a one-off to know the second time what's working and what isn't working because, you know, we don't always get it right. And because everyone's different, we need to tweak things, which helps them really. Do you write a big report or what do you do? Because there's all this discussion about, oh, I should write a really big report. Um, and So I'm curious about that. Or do you just do something short and sweet? So my plans it, it really depends on the person in front of you um I my plans are definitely more lengthy than others mm-hmm. but they're also shorter than other people's and the way that I found that works really well to write them because also the bit that you mentioned people scan read mm. so they won't necessarily if you write them a fabulous paragraph about how omega-3 influences their inflammatory state they probably don't care <laughs> um I mean, like if you explained it in the session when you're sitting in front of them, fantastic, great. But when you actually come into when you come to write the plan, I wouldn't give that explanation there. I think it just means there's more words on the paper, yeah, um, and that can actually be a bit overwhelming to people. What I tend to do is my big thing is about giving practical and easy to implement advice. So the way I structure my plans is the first page um, or the beginning section. I class as general points. I do a subheading that literally just and I do. 
like the heading, which is their name and the date and the plan, obviously, so they know which one they're on because um, you'd hope that they'd keep them. <laughs> then they have their general points, which should be sort of simple things like if we talk about increasing their water intake, if they need to eat some more green vegetables or I've discussed with them about plate construction um, or I just want them to have four portions of oily fish a week, I would literally just state I would like you to increase your intake to four portions a week of the following. And then I would do a bullet point underneath. So they're all bullet pointed. And I actually, I put things in bold um, and in not in different colors. I use green and black and that, that's fine. But I put sub bullet points so that things are literally just points that they can very clearly pick out. And things like the four portions a week would be highlighted so that they can see it very clearly. And then I do a meal specific section. So People will come in and they will have completely different eating habits to the person you've seen 25 minutes before. Absolutely. Um, so I always ask one of the things I have added into my um, sort of questioning when I'm talking to somebody in a consultation is their schedule. And that's actually what I ask them first, because then you get an idea of what you're dealing with. Because before you ask them about their digestive health, you kind of want to know what they're doing first thing in the morning. Um, so I get a good picture of how they operate as a person. And then I fit their health picture into that. So I would then be able to say, for example, some people might get up and they have a shower and do lots of different things, but they don't drink a glass of water before they leave the house. And then they eat breakfast like three hours later. So I would say like first thing, when you get out of bed and you're having a shower, please have a glass of water or have a cup of herbal tea. Um, or if you're finding that you're actually getting on the tube and you've got a really weird headache and you feel kind of sick by the time you get to work, why don't we try giving you an oat cake before you leave the house with a bit of avocado on it and see if it makes a difference. And it will, those kind of silly things will transform somebody. Um, and then I would adapt. So if like for breakfast, this is when I would actually give from the general points I've given above, I would say things like, okay, well, we want to incorporate more bitter greens into your breakfast in the morning. So when you have eggs at the weekend, please add a handful of rocket or watercress. And then I'll put maybe three like hyperlinked recipes to different things they might like to try and um, based on what we were talking about and if there's somebody who needs to prepare the night before and I've said about doing overnight oats or hard-boiled eggs or maybe a baked omelet again I'd give them kind of like three maximum four recipes and if there are any products so if they are dairy-free and they're having a cappuccino in the morning which I've classed as okay mm -hmm. but they were using Alpro almond milk I will link to my preferred um brands of dairy-free alternatives and i'll have asked them where they do their shopping um, and so i'll say okay well i'll link it to the Ocado website or i'll link it to the sainsbury's website and so they can see what's available for them to get um, that way and i'll just run through their day in in that way so i will do simple points per meal um, and then add in some products and then if they have any lifestyle suggestions that i want them to do that will come underneath that Again, when it's the first one, <clears throat> I try and keep I try and keep it to sort of a maximum of like two to three general points, the points for their meals, and then maybe two lifestyle suggestions, unless there's an additional one that's literally just like I want you to buy some blue light glasses because you are an international finance person and because you're working in different time zones, you will be on a computer at nine PM at night because that's when you have to do stuff with America. Like that's yeah. that might be an additional one. And then if there are any supplements, I do a little table at the bottom um, 
just when they should be taking it. And I will have explained to them that I will send them the email with their plan. And then I will send them an email via their natural dispensary with the, the products for them to purchase. And that's what then goes off to them. But I mean, that could be so for some people, that's what they get every time they come in. And then I have a guy who literally bought 10 sessions because he wants to lose a bit of weight, but he knows exactly what he's going to be doing. And all he wants to do is he keeps the kind of the same stuff. We maybe talk about a couple of things in the session. So he gets maybe two, three bullet points on a piece of like one side of A4, but he just wants the time. He likes the time to be able to come in and talk and sort of reaffirm to himself that that's what he needs to be doing. He doesn't, he literally doesn't want anything more from the session. Nice. So that that's fine by me. And it, it works, obviously it works well both ways. He's very happy with the service that he's getting. And it means that I know that I could put him in on a day when I'm super busy with other people because I can account for the fact that I won't need to put in huge amounts of time writing his plan up. Yeah. So it, it really varies. Yeah. Um, some people won't want you to send them six. I would never do like a eight, nine sheeter and people who sort of send handouts. My thing is a lot of people will send handouts and I don't do generic handouts. Right. I don't think that they're particularly helpful I mean I completely correct but if people are happy to use them that's fine but I almost see it as a bit of a cop-out um because you can have standardized information there so for example I have written the recipe for like a really simple pesto a million times so I can copy and paste it and adapt the ingredients to suit the person who I've spoken to or if I've done an explanation on how to do parasympathetic breathing or to take an Epsom salt bath that's copy and pasteable and adaptable, but into that person's plan. The only thing I would send is like a FODMAP list, which I've written up myself. And again, I'll adapt it based on their preferences of foods. I wouldn't just send them a FODMAP list that has foods in it that I know that they don't eat. I think that there's, there's an element for, for the amount that I give to somebody and also the amount that I charge for my sessions. I think that they deserve that personalized service. Right. So that's just different and other people definitely send handouts and people are more than happy to get them but it's it's not something that I do but that's my own my own choice probably makes more work for me but <laughs> no but it's how you work and it's that's that's the whole point it's what you do and and totally makes sense I mean we you know we know again I mean all of these things you're making it about the client the person that's sitting in front of you and the issues that they have their health conditions so I understand why you do it that way. It's having all the backup stuff that you say, well, I've done this. I know all I need to do is tweak that a bit because this person can't have X, Y, and Z, which prevents really using a generic thing. I mean, we're probably, because we've we've had lots of chats about this, really been fascinating. I've loved hearing your story and what you've done and, and how you're doing things. Have you got... What sort of tips? I mean, you've sort of been adding some tips throughout the conversation, which has really been great. What sort of, what are some main tips that you might have for anyone in the business, people starting out, people who've been going for a while like you have? Have you got any any specific tips on how do you grow your business? How do you start your business? What do you, what do you do? What tips do you have? Um, I think the, the primary thing is to sort of kind of not hit the ground running because that's kind of difficult to sort of, uh, put into practice if you have nowhere to run um <laughs> but to actually sort of go and talk to as many people as you can you will notice that a lot of people do not know what nutritional therapy means and really what functional medicine encompasses so go and enlighten people as to how useful you can be to what they're doing so the practice that I work in um 
is a purely mental health uh, practice. It's psychologists, psychotherapists, um, EMDR specialists, addiction specialists. And I found the space because I wanted, I had three clinical bases and I was all over the place. I was going from Canary Wharf to West Hampstead and out to Hendon. So that is a huge covering of London. And then I was doing home visits as well. And I said, you know what, I need a central base. So I was looking around at places and I wanted to, I looked at complementary health practices, but they didn't fit the kind of the appearance that I wanted to give for what I was offering because I wanted it to have a certain level of kind of, yeah, I guess the way it sort of, it appears. So I had a look at these places and I found the Box Tree Clinic, which is where I work. And I went in and I said to them, you obviously are, are very much top of your game here. You have a massive team of all of these wonderful specialists. I think I would be of great use to you. And they went, I'm sorry, what do you do and who are you? <laughs> um, and so I said, well, when's, when's your next peer meeting? Because they happen once a month. And they said, well, it's actually on Wednesday. And I said, well, can I come? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll sign up um, and I'll, like, I'll rent the clinical space. And I think it would just be really interesting if I come and meet everybody. And they went, okay, well, we've kind of got a bit of an open session. So um, we'll, we'll look forward to seeing you then. I was like, okay, great. Um, and so I thought, you know what, what can I do? And I was like, I'm going to prepare a couple of cases. I'm going to look back in my client files. I'm going to find some things that are obviously going to appeal. And I had a look at their website at the specialisms of the people who were going to be at the meeting. And so I arrive in a room with these people who all kind of know each other. And there's me in my polka dot trousers, which I always find entertaining. <laughs> and I sort of said, hi, it's lovely to meet you. I'm Phoebe. I'm a nutritional therapist. And they all went, great. What, what are you going to talk about food for? Because, um, I mean, we're all here talking about like our really sort of, I mean, anxious and depressed patients and those who have PTSD. And I went, aha, well, that's okay because I prepared something earlier for you. And I've just literally read them, the case studies that I'd kind of prepared. So my initial kind of note taking on these on these two clients, one who um, was a recovered uh, heroin addict and one who um, had really terrible uh, stress-induced insomnia and they were quite quick and they were quite short but I said right so obviously I was working with other practitioners these are the dietary things this is how I approach it and I think I talked for about half an hour and at the end it all kind of went a bit quiet and then all of a sudden they went well so that's fascinating so hold on could you explain that bit again about the amino acid therapy and how did you, oh yes that's really interesting I went great and so that kind of got my foot in the door there cool but you have to do it all the time because you are only as relevant as the recentness of the, the you speaking to these people. Um, so writing to GPs, going to networking events, some of will prove to be better than others, talking to people, getting testimonials from clients that you see. Um, and yeah, just just trying to get your name out there as much as you can is is the the best thing to do because really when it comes to anyone who you trust with your health, you want a word of mouth referral. You could go on yeah. Google and somebody could have a billion five-star reviews and you probably would like, believe that. But at the same point, if somebody else goes, hold on, you've seen that one, you booked in with them, but my mum actually saw this person, she was fantastic. Mm. You'll cancel your appointment with the Google review person and go to the one that the person of course you is, like, who you know has recommended to you. So being being that word of mouth person is probably the best thing that you can get started with. So, yeah. <laughs> so well, where would you like us to find you? I'm going to put links up for Motion Nutrition, the Enlightenment Planner, which I think would be really nice, the book on Stress Proof as well, because I think those are really nice tips. Would you like 
me to put a link for the Box Tree Clinic or your own website? What would you like? You'll find more information about me on my on my own website. So that's just naturalnourishment.me. And you can find me on um, Instagram as underscore naturalnourishment. You can also find me on things like Facebook and Twitter, but they're all linked to those other two. So you okay. can easily easily go that route. Yeah. Okay. And and be thoroughly entertained. I do love your your blogs. I think they're absolutely wonderful. Well, thank you so much. You've been absolutely brilliant. You've given me lots of time recently. So I am really grateful to you for sharing this information with me. And I'm, I'm thrilled to see that you have a thriving practice. It sounds really interesting. It's motivated me, encouraged me. And that's really what it's all about. So thank you. It is. Well, it's been my absolute pleasure. Thank, thanks for asking me. Um, and yeah, glad glad to be able to share some of my, I guess, stumbles that have kind of turned into good things in the end. <laughs> I guess our pathway is never going to be straightforward, is it? So um, stumbling's good. Stumbling, well, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It just means that, you know, you get up and you carry on. Yes, so. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. Well, long may it continue. And um, really, thank you again. <laughs> thanks, Deb. Well, folks, that's all for today. I really appreciate your sitting in and listening in to all those helpful tips Phoebe had to share with us. At the end of the day, these podcasts are here for you. They're here to support, collaborate, communicate, educate, and inspire one another. But the only way I'll know if I'm hitting the right mark is if you let me know. So in the show notes, I'm going to include my email. So please send me a message. I'd also like to ask you to subscribe. And don't forget, on Saturday, September 19th, Nita Beardsley of Love Nutrition and I are hosting our first event. It is on the multifaceted effects of the microbiome on our clients. We are really excited that we have Dr. Alan Desmond, Dr. Elizabeth Phillips, and Tanya Borowski joining us as speakers. We also have Genova Diagnostics sponsoring our event. So be sure and put that date in your diary and we'll provide more details on the day as and when we can. But for now, I'd like to wish you great health wherever you are. Bye for now.